answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth Financials Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us. Uh, both myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself, and we come here on your weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So glad you are uh, with us and being part of the program. And Thanks for being here. As usual, we've got a phenomenal Show lined up. I mean, well, that's kind of dependent on the callers a little bit, too, isn't it? How do you know it's phenomenal? We haven't done it yet. Well, it's just one of those teases that you just uh, okay. I learned early on. <laughs> that uh, Remember, we had a radio coach for a little while. We first started doing it. I don't 20, think it was helpful. 22 or 23 years ago. <laughs> no, I don't think it was a waste of money. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, a lot of like my little league coach. It was uh, he was wasting his time on me. There wasn't anything. Your little league coach wasn't anything he was going to do to make me a good baseball player. You were not a good baseball player. No, I'm not much of an athlete. All right. Well, I liked sports, get, but uh, but you are a great financial advisor. Okay. And I don't think people are listening to the program <laughs> to hear about your lack of athleticism on the baseball field. All right. Well, fair I'm enough. Just saying. Fair enough. So if you would uh, like to join us, you've got a call and would like to be part of the program. Love to hear from you. Our number to join the program is toll-free 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. And that'll get you on Allworth Financial's Money Matters with Scott Hanson and Pat McLean. Of course, Allworth Financial is the new name of Hanson McLean as well as some other companies for that matter. But we've banded together, and we are all worth financial. And we're starting out in Northern California talking with Mike. Mike, you're with All Worth Financial. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Mike. Um, so I uh, just recently started shutting down uh, my company I've owned for the last 10 years um, and uh, transitioned into a new position, making uh, about 125 a year. Um, and with shutting down my business, I now have about 75K uh, available to move into investments. Um, and recently, this is going much better than I thought the call was going to go because you said, I'm shutting down my I business. I was thinking he was going to say $75,000 <laughs> in losses. And then I thought, oh, no. And then you got, like, all right, well, you got a good job. And then you said, like, oh, you got a bunch of <laughs> debt now you're trying to figure out, or you owe. Yeah, when he said, I've mafia, got 75000 I thought um, credit card, roll forward go. losses, but no you have... positive. It's all positive. Okay, here. good. All right, sorry <laughs> I had to interrupt. Continue on. All right, so seventy five thousand. No, no and how is that held? What when you say seventy five? Is it in cash or is it in IRA? It's, yeah, it's currently in cash. Okay. Um, I have another about twenty five coming in from uh, accounts that I'm just finishing up uh, some work on, some contracts that I'm just wrapping up. So. Once we get those done, we'll have about 100 uh, ready to move forward into other uh, future things. I don't have a ton of current uh, retirement set up. I'm 41 years old um, with three kids. Uh, I have probably 25000 in and in, uh, 401k from a previous company. Uh, did you, did you company, sell any of your assets? 
No, no, this is all just uh, contracts. Uh, okay. Coming okay. To closures. Um, so I don't have a ton of retirement investment set up, but I am with my new company. I've got a uh, 3% match on 6% of my income. So 9% going into uh, the current company's 401k uh, program um, through uh, uh, starts with a P. I just got their principal. Uh, principal. Principal. Uh, I just got their enrollment package okay. uh, a couple of days ago. Um, so I've got this hundred thousand that I'm looking towards moving into something. We just also got gifted a portion of a trust, which is also the house that we rent and uh, now are members of the trust on. So buying a house isn't probably the best investment choice as we're already members of this trust that owns the house. That Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, more? yeah. So let's let's ask a couple. We're gonna we're gonna ask a couple questions along the way. What you're making? And by a, the way, that. These now every every situation would have different questions, but these are the kind of questions that one needs to ask before you can choose what the right investment is. Sometimes people say, "Hey Scott, I've got this money. What should I invest in?" Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about yeah. you. I mean, it's, it's so that's really really so, trying to figure out so what's going on here. You're making one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year on your job now. What what was the best year t- take home that or, you made? before yeah or what'd you average the last few years yeah well best year was about 237 um most years i was taking somewhere between eight and 150 80 and 150 okay so this is about the same it's not a change or or up or down on average it's about the same okay and does the wife work outside of the home she does uh she brings in about twenty seven thousand a year and does she have a 401k or uh 403b available to her no. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this trust a little bit. Tell us about it. Where did it come from? You say you're part um, owner. Who are the other part owners? We we have been, my wife and I have been renting uh, this house in the uh, Sacramento, California area for the last uh, four and a half years uh, from an older gentleman who has uh, become incapacitated over the last seven years, has no friends or family. Um, we knew the neighbor and, uh, through knowing the neighbor started to get to know this, this gentleman, um, started to help take, helping take his mail to him in the nursing home, uh, started to go and be kind of an advocate for him. Uh, about a year goes by, a year and a half goes by. And he said, Hey, do you guys still want to rent my house? Um, so it's, it's a decent place, 2,600 square foot, uh, about $520,000 house. Um, and uh, we're running it for a ridiculously low amount of money in exchange for helping him with uh, taking care of his financial assets, uh, taking care of his insurance, helping be a friend, be a family. And will you will you has. inherit this house when he passes? Yeah, we just finished setting up the trust about a month and a half ago. Um, we we he is the executor of the trust. We are the only beneficiaries of the trust. Uh, well, my my wife and I. Uh, along with, if anything were to happen to us, then our uh, our youngest son. And how old is he? Beneficiary. Seventy-seven. Okay. And you are you are the sole beneficiary of his trust. Correct. And is there any other assets other than this uh, home in the trust? Uh, a bank account that has like six thousand dollars in it. Okay. So is is he in a state? Uh, is how is he paying for his long term care? Is he's in a facility? Is that correct? 
Correct. Yeah, he's he's having a very tough time paying for it because Medicare is not covering all okay. of the benefits, and okay. so he's yeah, that's part of the reason for the trust being established. Well, there's a good chance there's yeah. going to be a claim against the trust uh, at his death from uh, uh, Medi-Cal. When you say Medicare, it will be Medi-Cal. Right, sorry, I get them mixed up. Uh, but there's a good chance that there'll be a claim against the estate, uh, which is the trust. Uh, when yeah, he so dies. in other words, if he's not paying, he has assets, right? Um, the house is the only one. Yeah. Yes, correct. But it is an asset and it has value. Correct. And yep. and he gifted it to you, and you went to a qualified attorney, and they probably tried to get it out of the estate, and they talked about all the good and bad things about what they were doing. Fair? Correct, yeah. Okay. So if I were you, I would expect that there'll be a claim against that house for the, yeah. for the estate. Which, from what, which might mean you have to have some— Liquidity. Might, yeah, take— To pay, pay, to pay, pay some money back. To yeah. pay it down. So that's but, why— still— Oh, listen, Scott. So a great deal for listen, you. Listen, and I, 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 I'm sure that wasn't your intention when you got close to the person. I think that. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, of course. It, yeah. You know, the world works in mysterious ways. Now, in saying all that, the reason we asked the question is you asked us, what do I do with this hundred grand that you've got? $75,000 in cash and $25,000 in receivables. I would keep it in the bank. I'd go to an online lender or online bank, and I would just put it in the bank. So I'd go to, um, what's it, uh, bankrate.com. And why would you just keep it in the bank for now? Because uh, I would expect that this man is going to pass in the next year or two, and that I would expect a claim from the state of California against the estate, uh, which may be 50,000, 150,000, 300,000. We have no idea. Well, depending on how many years he required care. We don't know. And we don't know what the rate is on a monthly basis, but I'm going to assume it's somewhere between four and six thousand dollars a month. Nor do we know if there can be some deal cut at that point in time. We don't know that, but what we do know is once it becomes your house, you have a couple of choices. One is you could just pay it down. The other is you could refinance it and take cash out in order to pay the state off. Um, but I would want some liquidity at that point in time. Totally uh, agree with you. At the same time, I would probably increase my 401k to a minimum of 6% and possibly— He's at 6%. No, no, he's not at 6%. That's including his match. His no, contrib- I'm, I'm putting in 6%. They're putting in a 3% match, so it's a total uh, of 9% going into the 401k. I stand corrected. I would still put in more in the 401k. I would still. I'd put in 10 At least 10 You're 41 years old. I know, but he's got three kids at home, and it's just a big change in his income. And the house is a good possibility is going to be paid off in a year or two. You're paying rent now. There's a chance in a year or two you're yeah. not going to pay rent. How much rent are you paying? Uh, $1,700. Yeah, okay. Agreed, Pat. So 10% pay- your 401k, and I'd I'd use a stick this money aside, just earmark it like. Like it's just there. Don't even pay attention to it. Wait until you see how the rest of this thing plays out. Yep, right. totally. There's a lot yeah, we've that got can to move aside into a savings account right now, but uh, at our current bank. But it would be better to look up a, a higher. Yeah, you can get you can you can get two percent, a little over two percent. Yeah, you're probably getting a quarter of a percent or a third of a percent. Now you get two percent. It's like fifteen hundred dollars a year to you. Just go to bankrate.com and use any one of those. They're all FDIC insured. It's where I keep my cash. Great. And and just it and things can change. Much like you were named the beneficiary on this trust, someone else could be named the beneficiary of a trust tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. It's no, not we're, irrevocable. We're definitely aware of that. Yeah. Yep. That's why we like the idea. Just keep it in cash until, like Pat says, see how this thing plays out. 
Yeah, and I mean, we don't want anything to play out, but that's just no. Well, it's reality. Listen, no one gets out of here alive, yeah, right? I mean, unless I looked, you know. And and you and you didn't you you didn't befriend him to get the asset. It just happened. And and quite frankly, he's probably happy that he found someone that he he likes, loves, and trusts that he can yeah, give it to. I would think. Right, you yep, probably yep, absolutely you you, you did and something for him. him. Yeah, yeah, right. So appreciate the call. Yeah. Good guy. Thanks All for right, calling. Thank you guys. All right, wish you well, Mike. And if you'd like to join our program, uh, we do appreciate calls from our listeners. It could be on just about anything financially related from estate planning to retirement planning to investments to taxes, insurance, Social Security, college savings, uh, just about anything you can think of financially. We'd love to take your call. 833-99-WORTH is the number. 833-99-WORTH. And let's go to Gary. Gary, you're with Allworth Financial. Yes, thanks for taking my call, Scott. I enjoyed the book. Um, I haven't oh. read it all, but it's really informative. I appreciated the book. Well, thank you. How can we help you, Gary? Pat's with me, too, question. by the way. So. I'm, I'm, that's okay, Gary. I'm not used to compliments. The, the five kids I grew up with, they weren't passed around very often. I hear you. That's right. It's mine. Um, no, my question relates to some property we bought back in... Like 69, I was still in college. How did you buy property when you were in college? Well, we worked on a farm, so we had a lot of resources in terms of land and timber and that sort of thing. And it wasn't that expensive back then like it is now. Got it. Um, So I worked it in the summer and paid it off like in three years. Oh, good for you. Wow. Good for you. What are you thinking of doing with this property? Uh, Selling it. That was our retirement. And what did you pay for this property? Uh, like 30000 And is it land or a house? It's just land. Okay. It's raw land. It's just beautiful North Carolina, western North Carolina property, just beautiful. And what do you think you could get for it? Uh, probably around 400000 or so. Okay. And yeah. is it on the market now? Are you in a contract or? It is. It, it's actually, we've, we've got a contract on it for that. So okay. um, we were pretty excited. You know, we'd never considered selling it. It was something I was hoping maybe even pass on to my grandkids, but uh, we just decided to get rid of the tax burden and all that. Now, have you calculated so, what, you're, what you have to pay in capital gain taxes on this? Yeah, that's going to be pretty steep. It yeah. looks like it's going to be about 80000 Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's just, you know, Uncle Sam gets his. I know that. So you're going to you're gonna net three twenty. So your question for us is? Yeah, what? Uh, I, I don't know if that's enough. Uh, I saw in Social Security, if you make it to 66, which I am, you're more likely to live to be like 85. So I've got about 20 years here. Maybe. And, and, <laughs> and so you want to turn this into some retirement income is what it sounds like. Income. I do. I want to pay off our house in five years. Uh, what do you own your house now? Have, oh, only about 95. And what's the interest rate on the house? 4.75. What if we Pretty said, good. what if we said we, for a portion of these dollars, we had a guaranteed investment now, very often we say guarantees in this, but we're going to say guaranteed 4.75%. No risk whatsoever. You give us, let's say, $95,000, and I guarantee you 
I can get you 4.75% without any market risk at all. Any market risk. What would you think? That would be outstanding. All okay. right. Then pay off the mortgage. Pay off Number the mortgage. One. Pay off the mortgage. There you go. But really? Just pay it off Absolutely. Right front? Absolutely. Just write a check. Mm. Okay. How, much, how much are your payments on that house? Uh, just a little over $600. Yeah, so right there, that, that I mean, that's going to save you 600 bucks a month. Yeah, actually more than that. more than that because you income that you make, you pay taxes on, and then you take the remainder and you make your mortgage payment. So Right. So that's the first thing we would do because 4.75 is a relatively uh, high interest rate on a mortgage in this environment. It could. Now, some might argue go out and refinance, but uh, at this stage in life, uh, we don't think having a mortgage is prudent at all. Yeah, I've tried that. It uh, only knocks the mortgage payment down maybe thirty bucks or so. It's not much. Oh, when you it's not a large amount. Yeah, yeah. So you just want to pay the whole thing off. I'd pay it off, and that would leave you with about two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. How much uh, income are you hoping to generate off this these investments? You know, that's hard to say. Uh, we probably don't make enough on Social Security to get you know, through each month. So I work in addition part-time. So, but it's a good part-time paying job. So I don't know how much longer I can keep doing that. How much so you, probably I would think a thousand a month, something like that. And how much, how much, uh, so you're working part-time now and not receiving social mm-hmm. security. Is that correct? No, I am getting social security. Oh, you are. Security. Okay. until 66 to retire. Okay. And how much uh, money are you making at your part-time job? Um, probably about $1,500 a month or so. And, and the, you, what, you what, said $1,000 a month. If your mortgage was paid off, would you still need that much? Probably not. Yeah, so let's yeah, say your mortgage right. is paid off. That's 600 bucks a month. And let's say 225000 you had it in a diversified portfolio. Let's say you were withdrawing at 4% of that. That'd be about $9,000 a year. About um, $750 a month. Is what that would right. be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would that would really knock a big hole in the monthly allowances I would need. Yeah, you, mm. you're probably going to be net ahead. So what you want to do is is, or I would even I'd go one step further. I'd say, look, if you're working part time, and you can afford to not take any distribution from this, yeah, have the mortgage paid off, have the mortgage paid off. Live on the Social Security and the part-time income and let these dollars grow until you don't work anymore and then start the distribution on that. So because you mentioned the the seven personal decisions. I'm going to throw one other thing out there. there. Another option is when you sell this, do a tax-free exchange into a rental home. Oh, I love that. Use the income from that. Because we're real good on fixer-uppers. That's what we bought. We bought it at uh, 100 and it's worth probably 170 now. I mean, I don't so know if... Uh, wow. Can you do that? Oh, you, you see? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you could do it. You could do it into two properties yeah. if you wanted to. Yep. You could, you do, could sell mm. for 400000 get two properties at two at 200000 Maybe if they were a, w- a little more spendy than that, you had a small mortgage on each one. I. Yeah, uh, you know, Scott. If when you, you have experience with rentals, are you are you kind? Are, so, I'm going to make an admission here. I got off the phone with my handyman uh, an hour ago, um, because I'm not very good at that sort of thing. But if you're good at that sort of thing, 
I don't think it's anything you should discount. Do you have any money anywhere else? Do you have money in IRAs or 401ks or anything like that? Mm-hmm, yeah. How much? Uh, probably about 25 Okay. So, uh, listen, um, if you were my father or older brother, you've had experience with rentals, I would probably mm-hmm. uh, recommend doing a 1031 tax-free exchange. At least for some, if not all of the money. At least for some, if not all the money, into a rental property. Maybe not all. Maybe 300000 of it. Yeah, you take some money out. Or 270 or something Take some like money that. out, pay off the mortgage, and uh, look at a rental for the rest. So I kind of like that idea, Scott. Yeah, and um, that gives you the, you're, you're comfortable with rentals, and you like that idea. I would look at that. You got want to do that before your house goes uh, before it's sold. You need to have that an intermediate lined up ahead of time. But that, anyway, that's a lot of options to consider there, uh, Gary. Appreciate your your call, and let's continue on eight three three ninety nine worth. We're talking to Christy. Christy, you're with Allworth Financial. Well, hi. Hi, Christy. I've been listening to your show for years, and I've enjoyed it so much. Oh, great. Thanks. Um, My question is, I've watched over the years, people do very well in real estate. But I I don't want to be a landlord, and I was wondering what you thought of investing in REITs as an alternative. Where did you learn about REITs? Well, you know. Okay. Um. So, uh, so let I, know, I know. I know a few things. Okay. Let, let's let's kind of step back. Let's talk about REITs. So, what a real estate investment trust, a REIT, is? It's a special type of corporation that avoids a double taxation, provided that I believe it's ninety percent of its operations are in real estate, and they distribute. I think it's ninety-five percent of the income to its shareholders. So it's a special structure of a corporation uh, that is called a REIT that uh, can dis- distribute the, the uh, income and avoid the double taxation. There are two right. broad categories of REITs, of, of structures. One is what's called a publicly traded REIT. Which trades very similar to a stock. Just like other kind of companies. Or a bond. They're companies that own real estate, apartment buildings, commercial property. And whatever. sometimes they specialize in certain sectors. Some might only own retail. Some might only own apartments. Shopping malls. Some might only own golf courses. Then there are what are called um, private placement real estate investment trusts. Or non-traded real estate investment trusts. And these are ones that are uh, sold to you by high-commissioned brokers. Yes. So when you first brought up this REITs, I think publicly, publicly traded REITs can be uh, great in a portfolio. I think a mutual fund of publicly traded REITs can be, or an ETF, a great addition to your portfolio. What we don't care about are these non-traded REITs that are sold through brokers. Gotcha. So if someone comes to your house or to your place of business, or you visit with them, or you go to them, and they recommend a non-traded REIT, also, and they'll, they'll disguise it as a thousand different things. Uncommon investment or is you someone know, not did, correlated to the market. Has someone recommended these to you? Oh, that, that, your comment sounds so familiar. But no, I, I know about these because I've studied them a little Got bit. And I, was, and I was, in fact, um, speaking about traded REITs and mutual fund. Perfect. 
of, of REITs, but my concern lately has been uh, retail's kind of under pressure. But there's but there's more than retail REITs. Yeah. Right. You could. There's all kinds yeah, of different right. REITs. Right. There's there's many storage REITs. There right. are. I, I, in my hometown, which is a college town, there are college apartment REITs. That's correct. Who, that is who correct. own half the who own half the town. Yes, that, I understand. That, that is correct. That is correct. So, uh, as a portion of your portfolio, they make a lot of sense. Uh, don't go wog, hog wild on them. Remember, real estate is just another asset class. There's nothing special about it or not special about it. Um, it hasn't historically over long periods of time either underperformed an asset, other asset classes. No. So don't, you know, people will ask all the time, is real estate good? Can be. Are stocks good? Can be. Bonds good? Can be. Well, and it's just a, it, it would real. I mean, it all depends on what the real estate is, where it, when you buy location, it, when what you kind sell of debt it. structures on it, what's the management of it. Yeah. So, but, right. but, uh, t- you know, if you, if you were to put, I don't know, 10, 15% of your portfolio in REITs. Yeah. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't overdo it. I wouldn't overdo it, but I don't think no you'd hurt yourself that, at all. Huh? Nope. Nope. All right. All right. All right, Christy. Thanks, thanks for the call. Thanks. Yeah. Oh. And um, it's called from Garden Valley. Garden Valley. Garden Valley. My, my brother has a place in Garden Valley. Where is that Garden Valley, that little tiny town? Um, You bike ride up yeah. near there. Yeah. It's on the backside of Coloma. You climb that big yeah, hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prospector. And yeah. on the other side is Little Garden Valley. Do you climb Prospector? Yeah. How many times have you climbed it? I don't know. A dozen or 20 wow. or something. Not me. We are going to take a quick break and um, love to take some calls as well when we come back. So if you want to join us, one 99 worth This is Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. We'll be right back. Get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth Financial's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McClain. And um, thanks for uh, staying with us into the uh, second half of the... Uh, Marvelous. You know, it's incredible. So we've seen there's so many interest rates in European governments. Oh, that are negative. Crazy. That, frankly, it is hard to wrap my head around. It's, 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 I mean, I've got a degree in finance. I've been in this industry almost 30 years. And as an example, Sweden has, there's a bank that has a loan program. If you do a 10 year loan, 10 years, you borrow money, 
your interest rate is negative. Negative half a percent. Now, minus of, half a percent. One of the things that you, there's fees associated where the bank might not be or might be making yeah, the money. Yeah, no, 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 but 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 Scott, here's what here's what would perplex me. Is that corporate bonds, uh, many corporate bonds in parts of the European Union are negative as well. And I always thought, why don't they just, rather than buy those, why don't they just actually just go out and buy a foreign bond? And you're like, why don't they buy an American bond? But then they expose themselves to not only interest rate risk, but currency risk as, as well. And there's a cost to hedge that currency risk. So maybe it's just better off accepting a negative interest rate than it is to hedge your uh, currency risk. You think? Well, that's exactly what it is. But when you think about we're in this environment where investors are willing to say, I'm going to loan lose, my money. Lose money. And all you need to do is pay me back some of it. <laughs> most, most of, of it. So what is that? That tells us that we're in a zero inflationary environment. So roughly a quarter, one quarter, 25% of the global debt market is now trading in negative grounds. What does this mean? What's it mean? I think what it does mean is $15 trillion worth of government debt is at negative yields. Well, I, I mean, what's, if, if the federal, if our U.S. government, we're not negative yet, but we're, not, we're pretty dang low. If we can borrow money on a negative basis, it would certainly mean that who cares about deficit spending anymore? You'd actually, it would almost encourage <laughs> Of course. <laughs> but so, so what, what does it mean? What happens though when we get in the negative territory, um, the ability to supercharge an economy through um, through the use of interest rates, which is what the Federal Reserve did the last time around, uh, becomes minimized. And then they have to start looking for other things such as tax policy, economic policy, other than interest rate policy. Right? Even bonds issued by, get this, negative rates, Poland? The Czech Republic, Hungary. Would you? Have, I mean, th to think about, Pat. There are institutions. There are individuals that have said, "I am going to invest in. I'm going to loan money to the Czech Republic. Not only am I not going to charge them an interest rate. I'm going to let them." Keep a little bit of my but, principle. But if you're, in, if you're in the Czech Republic and Czechoslovakia, it, it, it may be the best alternative for you if you're there because of uh, investing you're, outside of the oh, Czech Republic. Well, I understand, Republic. but it's... Uh, but it's, an unu it's, it's, a place we've, it's a place that we've never really seen before. And maybe it's taken place and that... You know, well, we saw it in Japan a couple decades ago, but it was short-lived phenomenon, and then it went... But it, wasn't, but it wasn't... It didn't spread much past Japan. So maybe this has taken place in, in historical times that we're not aware of, and maybe the data collection is just that much better. Well, how far back in history? Uh, that's what I'm talking about. No, they're that's saying a, that. No, I mean, everywhere you read this, this has never happened before. I mean, you, 
Certainly don't hear about the money lenders. Yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> negative interest rates. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't, it was harder was, to collateralize things back is then. Is it usury if it's only minus half a percent? Which it should it, be minus 5%? Otherwise, well, it's, I don't, uh, it's an interesting place. It's an interesting place. So, what does it mean? So, we're listening to the show right now, Scott. What does this mean if we're seeing negative interest rates? It's not affecting us here in the U.S., Although we have moved to a U-shaped or negative yield curve, depending upon what you're measuring from beginning to end, which historically has said, eh. I mean, it would it would seem to me that the markets are signal, signaling a deflationary environment. Yeah. Not inflation, deflation. And a possible Prices recession. And a possible recession. Because... You would say, I'm going to put my money just about, any- I'd rather go buy a piece of land, buy anything, other than having a negative return. Unless your concern is that, that, well, those, that those asset prices are too fall high. even further. And that you'd accept something as a negative. I just think it's fascinating. And um, as your, your point here, what's this mean to the average investor? Um and, and it's just, it's. An, what it's, does it mean to the, we, we don't actually wish you knew. I wish I knew. We don't know. What we do know is over long periods of time, asset well, what, prices. Well, what we do know is is we're not allocating any of our clients' money to negative rates. And our- we know that. We know that that we're not buying negative rate, but we're not we're not investment advisors in Czechoslovakia or Poland either. I don't think Czechoslovakia exists anymore. It's the Czech oh, Republic. The, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. The Czech Republic. <laughs> the Czech Re- Fourth USSR. The Czech Republic. The Soviets. <laughs> Enough. The Bolsheviks. So, but but we're not there. We're not in that environment. We're in this environment. All right. Well, let's. Um. Anyway, I just. I'm baffled by it, and I'm baffled when you see Sweden, a bank in Sweden, is offering a mortgage that carries with it a negative interest rate, and this is not a teaser rate. This is not. This is not based in. No, it I mean it's they, not that your payment is negative. The true cost of money is negative. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's. Um, but it hasn't seemed to actually uh, help their economy much. It hasn't spurred home. No. It's almost like a non-event. Imagine if you had a negative interest rate here. Well, it didn't happen overnight either. So it slowly, slowly came down. It did didn't go from a four percent interest rate to a negative interest rate in two weeks. That is correct. So. <laughs> You but know, there could be there is a chance that sometimes here in the U, sometime in the US we have some negative rates. But but my point being is if it didn't happen overnight then the markets would titrate to that. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, let's take some calls on something that's not quite so esoteric as uh, negative interest rates on government bonds. 25% of the global government debt is negative interest rate. It's not like a, it's not like, It's hard to believe. I mean, Are a, you sure that number's right? According to the the sort my sources, twenty five percent. Yeah, twenty five percent. Fifteen trillion dollars. There's sixty trillion dollars in global debt. Twenty trillion of it is U. Twenty one is the U.S. Yeah. And by the way, China does not own the majority of our debt. Uh, I think China's about a. China's less than less than. Who 10. owns the majority of U.S. debt? U.S. U.S. <laughs> U.S. citizens. U.S. Through citizens. some sort of intermediaries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the Chinese is less than ten percent. Yeah. They used to own more. But anyway, all right, let's uh, take some calls to be part of the program. 1-833-99-WORTH. I'll get you on the program. 1-833-99-WORTH. 
And we're talking with Larry. Larry, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Wonderful. How are you, Larry? I'm very reasonable for an old fella. <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> Thank you. Good. You're reasonable. All right. <laughs> no, very reasonable. But very. Okay, gentlemen. good. Thank you. The, the reason I'm calling today, I'll give you a, a brief synopsis of what's happening. Um, I, um, I'm getting a structured, not a structured, a lump sum workers' comp settlement. Um, the brief overview is this. Injured in 2013, after uh, four surgeries during this time frame, I was uh, permanently dis- uh, uh, declared permanently disabled, and um, I'm coming to the closure of my case. Um, before I get to the minutia of it, uh, I want to give you a little side caveat that I'm getting married to a wonderful woman in August who is a nurse for a large uh, hospital here in California, and I'm going to have some excellent primary insurance. Um, what this structured settlement from what I'm reading is I can only deposit this money in a, a bank account, FDIC bank account, which is very low interest, as you know. Um, my question is, is there anything you guys can recommend? Because um, I don't see me using this money uh, over and above her insurance. It's very structured. So my question is, what can I put this money in that could earn some extra income, not income, but just build on its base? So uh, I question uh, the FDIC uh, premise that you just uh, talked about. So oftentimes the, the, the company, the insurance company that is paying out the claim will allow you to use a menu of their recommended, recommended companies in order to invest the dollars. Um, so they'll say you can use these. And there are certain life insurance companies that actually practice in the structured settlement marketplace that aren't normally pro- with products that aren't available. Well, you said it was market. a lump sum and you said it was structured. So is it a lump sum or is it structured? No, I misspoke uh, okay. first. It's, it's not structured. It's lump sum. And, and in, in the booklet that I'm researching, um, it says uh, that it's uh, FDIC uh, insured account. And, now my lawyer said to me, "Well, I can pull out ten grand and go have a vacation," and I think he's totally wrong. But I'll—that's for another day and scotch. But um, my, so I guess my question is: is because I'm, I'm I'm getting married and my wife, my future wife, has excellent insurance, I don't see me using this money. And the the last thing it says, or one of the things it also says in there, is that if there's money left over upon my death, I can leave this money to my children. And so I, me personally, I would like to have, um, you know, I'm going to do that because I think there'll be money left over. But we're only talking about maybe a hundred grand here. Um, so I just don't know what I, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, well, so, so it's you've got a you have a negotiated agreement with an insurance company. You can do right? anything you want with this money. Well, it depends on what it's. It depends on what was negotiated. What Larry negotiated. There's the attorney negotiated on his behalf. So. It, I mean, if you said I, the money's only going to be used for um, buying shoes for kids without shoes, if that's what you agreed to and you have a legal document, then I suppose that's what you're bound to. I've never heard this, such a thing. Well, Scott. that's what I haven't either. So that's what I've heard of structured settlements, but this is a lump sum. So once it's well, a lump, yeah. I've I've actually seen lump yeah, sum structured settlements as well, but where they give you a list of investments that they could you can put it in. You don't have any choice in the matter. I don't have any choice no matter according to what documents I've read so far. Okay. Well, then what's your question for us? Well, I just wondered – I was talking to the smart guys because I'm not all that smart Uh to see if maybe they had experienced this before and said, well, 
I could put it in in this maybe this little bit better interest bearing account over let's say just a yeah. year bank yeah. to Chase yeah. Bank. Yes. Yeah, go, yes, but historically so the ones I have looked at in the past, the company that is paying out the claim, the workers insurance company that's paying out the claim or these were sometimes I actually saw a dog bite a large claim multi hundred thousand dollar claims and insurance for auto accidents the insurance company that's paying the claim out will say here is a menu of three things you can choose from that we will deposit your dollars in and then the contract will actually be adhered to based on that i assume that's what you're having right not uh, yeah I'm, I'm not i haven't i'm not to the final final table yet so i'm just kind of looking trying to do some homework oh well then tell them you want more options than an fdic insured yeah, tell them you just account. want the money paid out as a lump sum and yeah. then you can take it and you can do anything you want with it you can invest it in in the stock market or you can invest it in cds or you can do whatever you want with it but you can actually ask them to, to pay that out as a lump sum if you wish will they do it or not they may not i don't know yeah but you can ask yeah. them anything you want that's what i would ask Medicare yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 all tied up in the Medicare set aside portion is what what this money's geared towards. Oh, got uh, it, got 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 it. No, there's no choices. There's no choices. It's the Medicare. That's it. Okay, that you got no choices. Yeah. All right. Well, then you guys answer my question. Right, I appreciate it. It took us a while to get to the answer. Yeah. Well, we got the, we got the new information right at the very end. <laughs> yeah. All right. Appreciate oh, the okay. appreciate the call. Yeah. Sorry, Larry. And so so all that means uh, is that uh, the, they're giving him money to pay for his health insurance for the rest of his life. Let's continue on with some calls. And uh, again, um, we love taking calls from our listeners. And by the way, if um, during the time of this airing, many oftentimes we pre-record our calls. If this isn't a convenient time to call to ask your question, call us. We will schedule a time that's uh, convenient when we sit for in the studio, and sometimes we'll sit in the studio for three hours in a row and take calls, etc. So, again, to be part of the program, either um, uh, well, sometime that you that is convenient for you, it's one eight three three ninety nine worth. Let's go talk with Priscilla. Priscilla, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Oh, good morning. Hi, Priscilla. Uh, most of the it, hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of the advice I hear is for uh, younger people or people about to retire. But uh, I'm in my mid 80s. My husband is in his early 90s, and I'm wondering whether we should be investing in um, cash, short-term treasuries, that kind of thing. Right now, I have we have some money in the Vanguard and some short-term treasuries. And of your portfolio, Priscilla, what percentage of it is in stocks? Uh, about half and half. And do you think you'll spend uh, at least half of these dollars in the rest of your life? No, I'm not counting on it. Are you spending any money of uh, uh, this investment money now or the dollars that are... That, that, no, 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 nothing, we're not. Nothing. And then what's no, the? But, and I, I, I'll have a little more to invest, uh, but and you never know. We're healthy right now, but you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and so I'm just. Where are you getting more money to invest? Are you? Do you have? Where's that coming oh, from? Oh, we. I have a, uh, a a business that's had for several years, and we have an income of about uh, about forty five thousand dollars a year. In addition to our security. And you're both still working? Well, yes. Oh, good for you. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with what no. you got. I would not change anything. I, I don't. What you have sounds perfect. It, and how long have you had it? Had the business? No, the investments. Or what? The investments. Oh, um, just been adding over the years. Like 20, or, 30, 40 well, years? 20, yeah, 20 years. Yeah. I, I well, ja- Jack Bogle, the founder of Vanguard, you mentioned Vanguard. So he recently passed away a few months ago. Um, he, he was in his 90s, I believe. He had a, was a, he had a heart transplant. He had all kinds of <laughs> health issues. And come out a minute, continue on. But he, I was at a conference once. And someone asked what his personal portfolio was. He said it was about half in stocks and a half in fixed income. That was the founder of Vanguard. You've got a familiarity with them. You've been with them a long time. I don't think anything's wrong at right. all. Just because you get older does not mean you need to suddenly be all that more conservative. Especially if you're not going to spend it because you're investing these dollars for your heirs or a charity. So I think the right. the portfolio have uh, today is perfect, perfect for you. You're familiar with yeah, it. If you it said works. if you said you needed to spend all these dollars next year for something, like we're, we're gonna whatever, then would say stocks are totally inappropriate. But just because you're in your mid 80s or mid 90s or 105, I mean, <coughs> there's no reason that your port your portfolio still has a, could have a long long. Yeah. In fact, long your portfolio doesn't even know how old you are. Good point. All righty. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I appreciate Thank the you. call. Yeah. It's encouraging, Bye-bye. actually. Really <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. Yeah. Mid-80s? Yeah. Early 90s? Still involved in some Still business? Some business? Yeah. I have a neighbor that um, he's, he must be 86 or 87 now. Uh, runs a business. Gets up early and drives to work every day. Not to he doesn't need to. Financially, he doesn't need to. But Is he? Yeah. And let's continue on talking with Teresa. Teresa, you're with Allworth Financial. Gentlemen, thank you for taking my call. Thank you. I'm. Uh, you bet. I'm calling because uh, my mother passed away last year at uh, at 93. Uh, a great inspiration. She used to work at the uh, local high school and was able to save money to give to her five children. And. What I'm asking, my question is, I would love to um, be able to do something for her great-grandchildren. They are 2, 5, and 12, and I don't know exactly where to put that money into. Um, Probably about 5 to 10,000 each, and I'm hoping that you might help me with that. What would you like the uh, – that's a wonderful uh, thought. I think it's great, by the way. Um, what, What would you like these dollars for? Uh, probably for their college education is what I would uh, hope that they would use it for. Uh, if that's not their destiny, then what, you know, something that they could use maybe to, to purchase a house or uh, be able to use that money uh, wisely in their future. <clears throat> so you've, and how old are you, Teresa? Uh, I'm 62. Okay. So you've got another 31 years at least. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, your mother, yeah. right? if you were anything that's, like your mother. Up to her, right? So what? I mean, if it's for college, it's probably the best program is what's called the five twenty nine plan, and okay. this every state's got them, and, and it's the, basically the the money goes tax deferred. If the funds are used for college expenses, they come out tax free. Any money, and it okay. could be not just uh, like for your college. It can be for junior college, covering your books. It could be a trade school. 
could be a, a other sort of certificate program. So it could it just has to be used for education. Um, okay. You would remain the owner of the assets, and they would re- be the beneficiary of the five twenty nine plan, the the scholarship program, the five twenty nine plan. Okay. So it's easy enough. Most states have what's called an age weighted or an aggressive age weighted plan. Um, you would put dollars into those. Um, and I'd probably use the aggressive age weighted plan. So all that okay. means is that all uh, that is, means is that, the that young, a higher return. Is what, that what the, the aggressive? Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily guarantee a higher return, but what it does do is that the younger the child is, the more aggressive the portfolio is because the longer the length of time before they use the dollars. So as an example, the 12 year old is actually going to have a, a lot uh, less stock in it in that particular plan than the two year old. And as the two-year-old gets older, they make the portfolio more conservative every year until the age of 18, when the presumption is that the child will be going to college at the year soon, hopefully, at 18 or 19. If the child does not go to college, you can decide to distribute the money to the child, at which case uh, you will then pay a 10% penalty in all taxes due on that. Um, But it's a great way. Penalty only on the growth. Yeah, penalty only on the growth. And I could tell you, um, I, I I used it for all four of my children, the 529 plan for um, co- their college funding. And I started funding it when, um, when they were born. In fact, there was an advisor at our firm before he got married. This is optimistic. Before he got married or even met a girl, he was funding a 529 plan. Really? That's for planning, his kid, man. For his kid. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a that's a plan. That is optimistic. Teresa, so your your grandkids are of different ages, correct? So correct. if if Two, you want to yeah, if you want to plan for ten thousand dollars at college age, I ran some numbers. So if, assuming okay. a five percent growth, if you contributed seventy three hundred dollars to the twelve year old, assuming five percent growth, that okay. should be ten thousand by the time they go to college. For the five year old. That's $5,300. And for the two-year-old, it's $4,600. So in other words, okay. right? so the 12-year-old, you put $7,300. The five-year-old, you put $5,300. The two-year-old, you put $4,600. It's roughly going to all equal about $10,000 when they reach college. I didn't account for okay. inflation, so you could kind of play. So in other words, you might want to kind of play with these percentages and, and think about it like that. Um, because of the different age, that that actually might be more equitable than just giving them the exact same dollar amount today. Oh, okay, that does make sense. Uh, and then I can add to that as yep. I go to that five twenty nine. And the um, to uh, do I go to a bank? What would you suggest? I or is there going to be uh, somebody taking care of that money that I'll have to pay a fee? There's, I mean, there's always there's always a fee when your money's being managed. So, uh, but there's some low cost okay. plans out there. Um, I just simply Google low cost 529 plans and set one up okay. online. Okay. They're All really right. simple. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Wish you well. Well, that is just about all the time we have for our podcast listeners. We are asking you to continue on. We are doing an extra extended podcast, um, where we are talking about a, uh, couple that's trying to figure out their taxable income 
Well, they've got many different retirement accounts and trying to figure out what's the best way they should structure this as going into retirement. So that will be in our podcast, extended <laughs> podcast. And if you are not a subscriber to our podcast, we would encourage you to do so. Uh, just go to, if you go to iTunes, you can get your get it through there or uh, go to our website, allworthfinancial.com and it will teach you exactly how to go about getting uh, our podcast. So unfortunately, this is all the time we've got this week. It's been great being here with you and we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. This has been Scott Hanson and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. All right. Thank you very much for being podcast subscribers. And so periodically we do a little extended podcast where we'll deal with another question, typically something that someone writes in. And so we had a guy named Kevin. Wait, Scott, before we go there, I, I just, I, this is Pat speaking. I want to thank you for uh, being a subscriber to our podcast. And if, if you've still listened to thus far, all four of you, if you've reviewed us, we appreciate it. If you haven't, uh, we would appreciate that due to regulatory um, framework in which we work. We cannot ask for a positive review, <laughs> but I can ask you to review the show. Wink, wink. Um, and the other thing is uh, the number of people that have been subscribing has gone up. If you like this, um, share it with a friend. Think yeah, of one if friend. You, and- if you think you've got somebody that maybe is retiring soon uh, and thinks that our topic can can help them. We do believe that the more one is educated, the wiser decisions they're going to be making with their with their money. So that's all we ask um, that you pass this on to a friend. And I often, actually, Scott came into the office this, uh, this morning and he said, "Did you mean to send me this?" It was another podcast um, called "The Hidden Brain," which is one of my favorites. And he said, "Did you mean to send this to me?" I said, "Absolutely, it's uh, one of my favorite podcasts, and I share the many podcasts, not my own, obviously. That'd be too self serving, but I share many with my children and business partners." Yes. So, all right. Here's the question. That Kevin wrote in. I'm 63. My wife is 61. We're a couple years away from retirement, and all of our savings are in traditional retirement accounts: 401k, 403b, IRAs. We've got about 1.25 million between those dollars. Social Security and a teacher pension. All of our retirement income looks taxable. Is there anything we should do over the next couple years to address this? I keep hearing about strategies to reduce taxes and retirement, like Roths. Did we miss the boat? Uh a little. I mean, in a perfect world, we get to retirement in, with a diversified retirement tax strategy. So just like we have diversification in our investments, right? We don't want all one sort of thing. We all understand that. If we can get to retirement where we have a diversification strategy with our investments when it comes to taxes, that's helpful too. And how might that be accomplished? Well, if you get to retirement and you've got so a chunk in your taxable retirement accounts, 401ks and IRAs, perhaps also a chunk in Roth, which would be great to do. And perhaps some money saved up outside of that. Maybe you've got a brokerage account set up or you've got a, a mutual fund outside that you, something you've contributed to or even some stock. Uh, uh, some money in, in a savings account, money market but but Scott, that, that in a in an ideal, I'm just talking about in an ideal world, you go into retirement like that. That's theoretical. Well, no, that could t- take some planning as well. I understand, but in I this, mean, if you're ten years away from retirement, then you you it may be a it strategy. Maybe it may be. It, it may still be. might make sense to max out those four hundred one k. Because when you look at this and it says I'm sixty three and my wife is sixty one, and what we do know is one of them's a teacher, and is going to get a pension and the other looks like they're going to get social security assuming 
that their the windfall elimination provision applies to them. Well, if we if we're if we're highly confident that we are going to be that we're near retirement and we're highly confident our tax bracket will be lower once we retire or the same. Hear me out here. Lower once we retire, we should max. We should put as much money in our retirement accounts. That's correct. If we know it's going to be lower, clearly, I don't care about take. Forget the diversification thing I just talked about. Uh, we want to take advantage of maximizing our four hundred one k. And if we have no other dollars to save, then we get to retirement with a bunch of money in taxable retirement accounts and little else. We don't have the benefit of, of actually not. asking questions, but we can use our years of history dealing with people, working with people like themselves. My guess is that they didn't either help or hurt themselves by putting all this money into their... No, but if you are still going towards retirement and you have the ability to, say, contribute to a Roth IRA or a backdoor Roth IRA... Even better. Or you've maxed out your company's savings plan, you've maxed out your Roth... Now you're saving, maybe it's a mutual fund you've got, maybe it's just a, a savings account, you have built up some other savings, that would be preferable. Yeah, but this, in this situation, I wouldn't, I'd continue the 403B, 401k contributions uh, until you retired, and then I would look at Roth conversions between that point of retirement and yeah. the years of required and minimum distribution. Very few people uh, have higher taxable income the year after they retire. Very, yeah. very few. That's, a, frankly, a good problem to have. Yes. So, Anyway, appreciate very much you being podcast subscribers to Allworth Financial. We'll see you next time. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.